Discipline and responsibility are words that some of us don't love. They cramp our style. They infringe on our autonomy. And while I want to be gracious and appropriately reflect the joy that comes to those who serve Christ, there's no way to remove the word serve from that equation. The children of God serve Christ. We, you and I, are servants of Christ. Christ has acted on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. He has purchased us by his blood, and we are now his brothers and sisters engaged in the family business under his direction. Joy comes from service when we see the difference that the kingdom of God makes in the lives of our family members and friends. Joy comes in service when we live in the freedom from hurtful habits and addictions, from, in freedom from anything that would enslave us. Joy comes when we understand that our lives, as directed by the Holy Spirit, are meaningful and purposeful when we realize that we are making a difference in the world. And joy comes from traveling the road to heaven with friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. But there is no joy without service. There is no joy without service. Jesus has something to say about this as recorded by Luke in chapter 17, verse one and following. So if you have your Bibles nearby, Luke 17, beginning in verse one. And since this is the gospel, I invite you to stand for the reading. Luke 17, one. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper? Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Jesus' teaching in this passage is simple. Don't cause your brother or sister to stumble. 
Do not embrace practices that will lead your brothers and sisters away from Christ. And be gracious and forgiving to your brothers and sisters, even when they continue to stumble and cause trouble for you. Keep forgiving them. The problem is, he's saying this to his disciples who are trapped in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth mentality. But that was the Old Testament law, not the new grace offered by Jesus Christ. And there's a new ethic in town, and it is forgive. Forgiveness is not part of the disciples' calculus. They don't factor in forgiveness when they try to think about what it means to follow Christ. They really have very little interest in what happens to others. They just want to know what should happen for them, to them. And that really is the big reversal of Christianity, isn't it? It's not supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about others. And Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand that. And so he says, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and comes back seven times and asks for forgiveness, then you offer forgiveness. And, and because this is hard, the disciples respond and say, Lord, increase our faith. But you know what? Jesus isn't having any of that nonsense. Jesus says to the disciples, Fooey, you do not need more faith because it only takes the tiniest little bit of faith to accomplish major things. So if you can't forgive your brothers, it's not because you don't have enough faith, it's just plain old because you don't wanna. That's all it is. You don't need more faith to get this done because the tiniest little bit of faith can move mountains. What you really need to do is the right thing. Do the right thing you know to do. Serve me by obeying me, by doing the right thing, just obey. What, service, what servant comes in from the fields and then asks to be served by their master? That isn't how the world or even the kingdom of God works. Servants obey their masters. And Jesus is saying to them, I've told you what is expected. Do it. Remember who you are, servants of God. And I'm wondering this morning, how well do we do at that? Are we still trapped in a mentality that keeps everything about us? Or have we embraced the reversal that Christ brings to us, helping us to see that we exist for service and to serve others. Do we really honestly see ourselves as servants of God? Or is it more like we see ourselves as franchise owners who can basically do whatever we want since the owner never really seems to come around all that much and force us to do the right thing? 
we are frequently reminded in the New Testament that Jesus is Lord. And that always means, whether we acknowledge it or not, that he is master, our master, and deserving of our obedience. Maybe there is an excuse for our unwillingness to do things like serving others or forgiving others or being kind and compassionate to others. Maybe there is just a weariness that overcomes us, those who have served Jesus for many years and feel like we're on the brink of retirement. But if that's the case, Paul addresses even that. This is what he says in Galatians 6.10. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap a harvest at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Rather than growing weary, Paul instructs Timothy, this is 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I've told this story before, but part of my journey in responding to the call of pastoral ministry was an experience where I had to acknowledge before God that though I was working hard for him in the church, I was a Christian school principal, I was a worship leader, I was a youth pastor, I was doing all these things for God. Christ brought me to a point of humility where I had to admit that I was doing what I desired to do for him rather than obeying the things he was asking me to do. Because I really didn't want to be a senior pastor and I thought I knew better than God about this. And then through a series of events, he made it clear to me that working for God is not necessarily, not necessarily the same thing as obeying God. Because he chooses our path of service, we don't choose that. The Holy Spirit works with us to show us the way forward. We don't get to decide what the rules is or what the service will be because Jesus is Lord and not us. He is master, not us. So when, so when God calls on us to do something that we're not really wanting to do, don't cry out for more faith. Exercise the faith that you have and embrace obedience to God, to the one who gave you everything to start with. And, and it makes me wonder, as we're gathered here together, giving him our attention, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us, what is your next step? What is my next step in obedience to God? How will we serve others? How will you keep in sight the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ as they seek to follow Christ? And, 
And I think there's one more thing to notice here. In this story, the way that the disciples are called to serve their brothers and sisters is not some sort of intense physical labor. You know, if you ask me to do intense physical labor, I'm, I guess I would try to do it, but this body is getting old and weary and weak. And Rick and I tried to patch some concrete the other day. I couldn't walk for like three days after that because some of us are just getting older. And it's a good thing that when we get old like this, it's not necessarily intense physical labor that the master calls us to do. The commanded method of service isn't necessarily something that takes a lot of time since we all seem to be busier than we've ever been before. The service for which the disciples pretend to need more faith isn't expensive. It isn't something that only the wealthy can do because service to Christ is costly in that way. So we, we can't say that we can't financially afford to serve Christ. In this particular example, this is not exclusive, but in this particular answer, what Christ is saying to his disciples is forgive. It's forgiveness. Now I can see how they might say that's impossible. I mean, you and I have been in situations where we've thought like forgiveness is impossible. And forgiveness is a tricky thing. There's no way about that. Forgiveness and trust are very tricky things. But if someone makes a mistake and asks us to forgive them, we're obligated. We're obligated as soon as that happens. That's what it means to be Christian, right? Jesus is Lord. He says forgive. When they ask forgiveness, we must forgive. We may need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us emotionally do that. But what we need is the discipline to say, yes, Lord, I will do whatever the thing is that the Holy Spirit commands us to do. People make mistakes or sin against us. The followers of Christ jump immediately to 1 Corinthians 13, right? We exercise patience. We respond kindly. We don't boast about how right we were or how wrong they were. In other words, we eliminate from our vocabulary the words like, I told you so, because we refuse to be self-seeking we are not easily angered. We don't keep records of what someone has done against us. You remember the words from 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That is the call to service for the people of God. It would be so much easier if all we had to do was to bring a side dish and a dessert to a church potluck supper. If we could just think, well, I've served God this week. I, I did my part. I'm not saying stop bringing desserts to the church supper. I'm just saying that service to the master is whatever he calls you to do and who he calls you to be in this world. Service to the master is living with integrity as a citizen of the kingdom of God.
It would be so much easier if all we had to do was show up for church on Sunday two or three times a month. And I'm not saying you should stop coming to church. I'm saying we need this time desperately to be reminded of what it means to live as citizens in a culture that is bombarding us constantly, trying to shape us into its mold. We need the corrective of the Holy Spirit as a community so that we can not allow the world to shape us by its attempts to shape us continually and we can be reformed in Christ. But our service goes beyond that. It goes beyond the discipline of just keeping ourselves from doing evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not just the negative side of keeping ourselves from doing evil. It is the positive side of saying yes to whatever service God calls us to embrace. It would be so much easier if all we had to do was drop a tithe check in the offering once a week. And yet God calls us to these high standards of living that we don't need more faith to embrace, but we do need the presence of the Holy Spirit in us to bring us the kind of love that Christ demonstrates for the world and for us. Because if we're gonna do this stuff, we're gonna need a supernatural love in us. It's the only way it gets done. You don't need more faith. You need more love. And we need the discipline that comes from determining to invite the Holy Spirit to help us love others in the way that our master demonstrated his love for others. Jesus says, forgive as often as necessary. Be patient, be gracious, love well. This is how my servants will serve me. This is a hard teaching of Jesus. Because I think when I'm honest, I'm usually more interested in having Jesus serve me than I am in having me serve Jesus. I want Jesus to heal my friends and family. I want Jesus to provide our needs. I want Jesus to get us enough, stu enough students in Cornerstone. I, I want, I want, I want, and my prayer is often more about my wants than it is about, Lord, how might you use me today? What's my next step of obedience? What does it mean to live as your servant? I don't need more faith to switch that equation. I need maybe a little more discipline and desire to be available to serve Christ than I currently have. I mean, I need a little more understanding that he's the master and I'm the servant. And I should be calling out to him for direction, for his love. Maybe I need some encouragement from the spirit to get moving. I don't know what the Holy Spirit might say to you when it comes to your service. I don't, 
I can't know until you come and talk to me and say, hey, the Lord's been telling me that my next step of obedience, I think, is this. And when you begin to think about what the Lord's leading you in terms of your next step of obedience, it's really good to find a brother or sister too in Christ to pray with you about that and to think about that and converse about that to, so, to make sure that you can rightly discern what the Spirit is saying. Because it is critical that we live as servants of Christ. It is critical that when the master speaks, we answer. I mean, we already rehearsed again today the sacrament that reminds us of all that he has already done for us, purchased us by his blood, redeemed us, renewed us, made, made us to live forever because of his gift for us. And, and we're just servants who've done what you've asked us to do. Or have we? That, that's the question that remains. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to be your servants. We proclaim that you are Lord and this morning we proclaim that you are our Lord individually and as a church. And it is our desire to serve you according to the ways you've called us. Give us discernment to know your voice. Give us the discipline to live according to the way you've taught us to live. By your spirit, give us the love that we need to obey you. Help us, we pray. Pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, us to sing a song in closing, but before we sing, I'm going to ask the musicians to play through a verse of this. And I'd like to give us a little moment of mental and interior space for us just to consider what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us. So we're not going to sing through the first verse. We're going to let them play. And then I'll jump in after we've gone through it one time. Uh, but in that time, let this be your prayer. Lord, what is my next step in obedience? What, what are you calling me to do? Grant me, Holy Spirit, the wisdom to discern what you're saying to me and the stamina to do what you call me to do for your glory. You might want to close your eyes while we hear ourselves go through this song one time. And then after that, we'll sing it together.
Let's stand together and sing. Let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion, that with gladness we bore every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the course, knowing within us the power of the risen Lord. Let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song. Let it be said of us, we were marked by forgiveness, we were known by our love, and delighted in meekness, we were ruled by His peace, eating unity's call, joined as one body, that Christ would be seen by all. Let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory, and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. May your service bring glory to God. And may all of us together live with integrity as children of the kingdom of God to his glory now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.